this evening we are continuing our series, um, Conversations with the King. Snazzy slide. Um, we have been looking at different accounts in the gospel of what happened when people interacted and encountered Jesus on earth. Um, we are looking at what Jesus said and did in these dialogues and looking at what we can learn from them in our lives right now. So tonight we are looking at unpacking Jesus' conversation with a Canaanite woman, which is also known as the Syrophoenician woman. I think this Canaan woman is genuinely fantastic. Um, I've really loved looking at this passage of scripture and preparing for this tonight. Um, you could totally skim over it um, because you could think it's slightly tricky to understand in places. You've heard it before, but actually I found that the more I've read it and the more I've studied it, the more I've been like, this conversation is fantastic. Um, it's dense, full of truth and goodness, and there's just so, so much we can learn and take away from this conversation tonight. So we're going to jump right in and look at Matthew's account um, of this conversation found in Matthew 15, 21 to 28. And Jesus went away from there and withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a Canaanite woman, or a Syrophoenician woman, as entitled in Mark's gospel, um, from that region came out and was crying. Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. But he did not answer her a word. And his disciples came and begged him, saying, Send her away, for she is crying out after us. He answered, I was only sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. And he answered, It is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. She said, Yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. Then Jesus answered her, O woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. So I have a pair of 21st century ears on my head, and I don't know about you, but on first listen, parts of this sound incredibly jarring. It's shocking, it's abrupt, it sounds kind of rude, it sounds like the type of passage you wouldn't want someone to bring up with you if you'd literally just told them you were a Christian. Um, Jesus appears indifferent to the cries of a hurting woman. He seems to then call her a dog, and then he makes it even worse by saying that she doesn't even deserve a crumb of help. What on earth is happening? When read and understood properly, this passage equips us with renewed faith and a greater understanding of who God is and the outstanding beauty of his love. God's word is always worth digging into because there is gold to be found. There are precious pearls of wisdom, truth, grace and kindness to be unmined here. This conversation teaches us that the faith that we are called to needs to be rooted in a true understanding of who Jesus is. It needs to come out of a humble heart and it needs to be exercised so that it can grow stronger. So let's first of all look at the master, the children and the dogs. So let's put this into context. Jesus and his disciples had just come from Galilee um, to a Gentile province of Tyre and Sidon. Galilee was a Jewish region in which Jesus had been performing miracles left, right and centre. Um, and we find that his disciples have just withdrawn to rest. We must first understand the context of the separation between Jews and Gentiles first, if we are to understand the imagery that this conversation uses. The divide between Jews and Gentiles was a real divide. It was religious, cultural, societal, very much a them and us mentality. Because the Jews had been God's chosen people, entrusted with his law and called to live out their lives in obedience to him, everybody outside of this was considered um, unclean because they were outside of the purposes of God. 
Um, when Jesus first speaks to the Canaanite woman, he says, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. It is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. This is Jesus essentially summing up a traditional Jewish attitude towards non-Jewish foreigners. Note that the disciples are completely unsurprised by Jesus' response. They are not taken aback in the slightest that, that um, Jesus initially appears to not, uh, not address this, this woman. Um, Jesus is using this as an opportunity um, to expose the deeply held traditional prejudices that were held by Jews against the, um, against the Gentiles. Jesus' um, verbalization is authentic to their attitudes and feelings, but shocking when it's put and um, when the words are thrown in the face of a desperate uh, kneeling woman. Um, he is holding up a mirror to the disciples so that they can learn a profound lesson about where their traditional beliefs would ultimately get them and what the new kingdom that he is building will look like. Um, so in the image Jesus used, we have to know that Jesus is talking about the placement of Jews and Gentiles in the kingdom of God. So the master is Jesus, the children of the Jews, the food and the bread at the table is the kingdom and the dogs are the Gentiles. To the disciples and to this woman, they would have heard and understood this metaphor. So despite the fact that what Jesus has said sounds entirely uncharacteristic to us, um, it, would have, it would have made sense to the listeners. Um, what the Gentiles, um, that the Gen it would have made sense to them because the Gentiles were not God's chosen people um, and hence they didn't actually have any expectation to get any food from the table. Um, however, the Canaanite woman hears the metaphor and understands it in a way that the disciples don't. Um, the disciples see a matter of exclusivity, um, whereas the woman understands that this is a matter of order and the fulfillment of specific promises. The children, the Jews, get offered the kingdom, the bread, first. The dogs, the Gentiles, receive it afterwards. Jesus had stated outrightly early in Matthew 10, five to six, that his mission was first to the, um, the lost sheep of Israel. Jesus ministered first to the Jews for the Gentiles. Jesus accomplishes the, mis the mission of Israel, thereby bringing the blessing of Abraham to all nations as promised in the Old Testament. God's plans had always been to go from Israel out to the ends of the earth, um, a truth that is seen in the Great Commission in Matthew 28, go make disciples of all nations, and in Acts 1, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. The missions to the Gentiles was not expense to the mission to Israel, nor was it merely an extension Israel was to be a catalyst through which God would accomplish his promise to the world. So now that lengthy unpacking, um, let's have a look at the conversation that Jesus has. The first thing uh, this Gentile woman says is, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. Immediately, this woman shows a remarkable spiritual understanding of who Jesus is and the plans of God at work in her time. The Messiah was to come from the line of David. Um, this was very much Jewish terminology that she's just used here. Um, and she's showing that she has heard, understood, and believed that Jesus was the savior that the Jews had been waiting for. Um, this was something that the righteous Jewish leaders had continually refused to acknowledge. In Mark's account of the story, we are told that Jesus entered Tyre and Sidon, that he could not keep his presence secret. So clearly the news of Jesus and his ministry had been spread and people had heard about the teachings, the miracles, the healings far beyond just the borders of the promised land. To ask for mercy suggests that she has heard about Jesus' compassion, 
Why else would she seek him out and ask for his help if she did not believe that help was at hand? Thus far in Jesus' ministry, he had proved to never turn down a sincere and humble appeal for help. This is Jesus who had been performing signs and wonders, blessing all those he'd encountered and who said of himself in Matthew 8, come to me, all who are weary, and I will give you rest. In some way, shape or form, this knowledge has gone before Jesus and was at the forefront of her mind when she's having this conversation. The woman looks to Jesus because she knows she can find mercy, whereas the disciples look to, her, look to Jesus and go, send her away. Who's got the better understanding of what Jesus is like? The woman. Jesus is full of mercy, gentleness, and kindness. He's been helping people in their thousands, but the disciples' first response to encountering a Gentile is, oh, Jesus, get rid of her. She's doing my head in. Jesus is paralleling the hardness of their hearts um, towards the woman to the softness of the woman's hearts towards Jesus. Um, this Canaanite woman is, she's just spiritually and mentally switched on. She's tuned in. She knows what's going on. Um, what is even more amazing is that she demonstrates a faith that is rooted in a firm understanding of who Jesus is and what his coming would look like. Jesus is the son of God, the fulfillment of scripture and the anticipated savior of the world. The woman proves on later when she enters into the metaphor um, that she recognizes her Gentile status. Um, however, it is actually her deep understanding and appreciation of who Jesus is that will determine where the conversation goes. Like this woman, we too have to ensure that our faith is founded in a true understanding of Jesus, rooted in his word and who he declares himself to be. The woman humbly accepts that she needs Jesus. She humbly accepts that it is the, is the only way that she, a sinner, can receive grace. We too need to imitate and approach Jesus like this. So how did Jesus initially respond? Clue. He did not answer her a word. How do you deal with silence? How do you react when you've called out to God and not be met with a reply? or you've got a reply, but you didn't anticipate it. My knee-jerk reaction um, is to get incredibly wound up, um, and I'll admit it, quite stroppy, because God, um, because I'm like, why are you not meeting me on my terms, how I want it right now? Um, and that's, that's pride in my heart. Um, that's me demanding God to meet my requests and I'll, if I'm honest, it makes me feel quite distant from God. Um, in those moments, it's just so easy to forget the faithfulness of God. Um, Jesus eventually answers her and says, I was only sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Probably not the answer that she was anticipating. But what does she do? It says she came and knelt before him saying, Lord, help me. In the New King James Version, it says she came and worshipped him. When you're confused and uncertain, do you run to God? When you're down and tired, do you want to worship? Or when you're angry and frustrated because you've asked time and time again and it feels like God is not listening, do you kneel at Jesus' feet, knowing he is your help and continue to hold on to him? The woman hears the silence she hears Jesus' response, and she comes even closer. She humbles herself. She worships at his feet, and she clings to him. Her faith in Jesus is stronger than the silence, 
and her faith causes her to fall at her knees and worship. Her faith is solid. She probably couldn't have guessed that Jesus was going to go down this line of conversation. Um, but, and on some level, that must have been at least slightly uncomfortable or confusing um, or awkward. But any feeling that she does have towards Jesus is overtaken by the fact that she knows that she just needs to get closer to him. Any help she'll need is only going to be met in him and her actions and words show that this is exactly what she believes. After this, Jesus enters into the image, as mentioned earlier, of the kingdom of God being first for the Jews and then for the Gentile. But this Canaanite woman here gets that Jesus is not talking about dogs, he's not talking about tables. Jesus is expressing the contemptuous traditional Jewish attitude to gent um, towards Gentiles in order to explain why her request doesn't fit in with his mission to Israel. This is a very blunt line of argument coming from Jesus. But why does he do it? I really think that Jesus is putting into practice and demonstrating 1 Peter 1.7, that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes though is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Just because this is a tough exam is not a negative put down on the woman. Jesus is setting up this dialogue to give her the chance to show her willingness to trust him and to test her heart and character. I think it's worth noting here that despite the fact that this is a serious point that Jesus is making, and um, that his mission to Israel was first and paramount, paramount, I don't think that means to say that the tone is rude or without humor or scathing. It's incredibly easy for us um, to read the words of Jesus in the Bible and inherently put a very grave, very serious, very heavy tone, but I, I really don't think that's the case. Um, News of Jesus' goodness um, and character had gone before him. And the Canaanite woman is met with this goodness. I think there must be a twinkle in Jesus' eye here. He is testing her, yes, but he is so impressed with her ability um, to, and willingness to understand the metaphor and enter into it, whilst also demonstrating a huge um, faith in his character. Um, the Canaanite woman, a non-Jewish Gentile, proves that she has a true grasp of what the Jewish scriptures say about Jesus, more than the actual disciples themselves. The woman did not ask for first place at the table, but rather in faith believed that Jesus was for her as well as for the Jews. The Canaanite woman is profoundly demonstrating the truth of Romans 1.16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. Jesus ends by recognizing, delighting, and praising the woman for her faith. O woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. I think you can hear the smile in Jesus' voice here. In all the things that she has said and done, she has proven that her faith in Jesus is strong and genuine. She believes he is the son of God and that she can only find help and healing for her daughter in his power. Jesus is lifting up the example of the Gentile woman to highlight the disciples' own lack of faith and their narrow view of the Gentile people, um, who the gospel was also for. 
Earlier in the same chapter that we're reading, Jesus criticizes the Pharisees for having lips that claim to honor him, but actually, in fact, that their hearts are really far away. Um, Jesus is pointing out that out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Um, the state of the Pharisees' heart had no resemblance to Jesus, um, and they did not honor or believe in who he was. What is more, the disciples who had been with Jesus the entire time and who had physically seen him feed 5,000 people with five loaves and two fishes and had seen him walk on water were so quick to forget what Jesus could do. They were so quick to lose their faith in what he could accomplish. I'd have thought, wow, those are some pretty excellently faith-stirring moments, but it goes out the window. in the first instance, uh, the disciples' main, main concern is that they don't have enough food and that it would cost a lot of money to feed the 5,000. And in the second instant, Peter's on the water. He's just walked, Jesus has just walked out to them and he begins to sink because he looks at the water instead of Jesus. Um, the disciples, even later on, after this, uh, in the next chapter, um, Jesus feeds the 4,000. And they ask the exact same question of how are we going to feed these people? The disciples could learn a thing or two from this woman. The woman came to Jesus in humility and full of faith. Every word that came out of her mouth honoured Jesus. Um, what What he said and how he said it. This was the result of an overflowing heart that honoured Jesus as the son of God. This Canaanite woman embodies the truth of Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the convictions of things not seen. Here is a woman who has great faith before Jesus, Jesus has even said a word. The Jews had seen and not believed, but she has not seen and she believes. Jesus is instructing the disciples and us in the nature of persevering faith. Faith that will not fall away when tested and faith that remembers all that Jesus has done and accomplished. The type of faith that Jesus wants to call out in us is a faith that remains. Not a fleeting, fair-weathered faith, but a faith that is anchored in the promises and person of God. Faith that withstands silence, that overcomes fear, that continues through confusion and that humbly accepts that all our help is found when we kneel at the foot of Jesus. So, in this is the time that we've got remaining, I'd love for us to respond by praying for each other, just for more faith. Um, as I was preparing for this, I came across a quote that said, one of our greatest freedoms is how we react to things. And I really felt like God wanted to say that the reaction he wants to call out of us this evening is faith. Um, This has to be a constant and purposeful decision based on his power and person and not on our feelings and the things that we've seen. Uh, Jesus wants us to have faith as seen in this passage demonstrated by this Canaanite woman. Faith that knows the, um, the person of Jesus that is made strong by his word that persists and endures through seasons and change and confusion. What is more, I felt like God wanted to highlight in this quote that actually we will find Um, we will find one of our greatest life-giving freedoms when we trust God. Um, Living in faith is a spacious place and I felt like God wanted to unburden people um, who feel weighed down currently so that they can know um, life to the full and trust in God with increasing measure. Um, So if you're unsure what to pray for, uh, just pray that the Spirit of God will fill you again and just say, please Lord, give me faith. 
help me where my unbelief is. Um, because God loves it when you ask for faith. Um, and it's a gift that he gives and he's good, he's good to answer us. Um, and it's always a good thing. It always honors Jesus when we ask for more faith and when we humbly accept him. Um, yeah, so just ask for faith that submits to his, his will and that will endure through testing and through tiring times. Um, if a certain part of the passage stood out to you, pray about that. It could be that you actually find that you want God to open up his word more to you so that actually your faith can be rooted in the scriptures um, and made strong by it. Pray that you would engage with the Bible and love the Bible with increasing measure so that your faith can be rooted and connected to it. And it could be that you are currently in a place of silence or haven't heard the exact answer that you anticipate from God. Um, pray that you, that leads you closer to him and causes you to worship. Uh, pray that you will have faith in things that are not yet seen. Um, and it could be that you can feel yourself just forgetting how faithful God is. So just ask for your faith to be rooted in God's word and in his unchanging character and pray that you will always be able to remember and recall his faithfulness to you.